Phoenix Down Radio is on the air. Welcome everybody to Phoenix Down Radio, episode number 93. How's everybody doing tonight? I'm alive! Yay! Not too bad for the most part. I should probably figure out what I'm doing for dinner at some point, but I'll get to that. Wow, Sarah, you sound amazing! Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, I finally went ahead and uh, found some of my old Amazon gift cards and got myself a proper microphone. Huzzah. So I'm no longer coming at you from my uh, phone's earbuds, but rather like one of those fancy Blue Yeti ones with up filter as well. Huzzah! Yay! I'm also getting used to the sound of my own voice. It's kind of great. Ooh. Don't worry, I took that off because I don't hear my voice. But then how are you supposed to get up-to-the-moment feedback so that you can adjust how you're talking? He doesn't. He makes me do it. I do. Damn it, Chili! Also, we're in the basement <laughs> of the, uh, the free company house when you get a moment, Sarah. Oh, right. Uh. <laughs> I got so wrapped up in writing up this stuff that I forgot to actually sign in. Yeah, we had a, we would Sarah and I worked quite hard this afternoon to get uh, this afternoon or this evening's show ready to go for you guys. So we hope you really enjoy it. So then why don't I? Actually... I know I was watching you type it earlier. <laughs> See me just sit and go. That's not kid. I was like, oh, I wonder what the notes are. I look, no, things are appearing. I shall leave now. <laughs> you don't want to be spoiled. <laughs> well, no, I just didn't want to be you know inter- interrupt anything. Well, the nice thing about Google Docs is you can actually work multiple people in it at the yeah. same time. So, so you could have been, you know, contributing. Punk. I could have. Yeah, it's chilly. Woulda, coulda, shoulda. Exactly. No, it's all good. Ben said I went out for a walk and got a sandwich. Yeah, well, yeah I mean, the weather here is. You are now as obligated well. to tell us what sort of sandwich. Well, um, I bought some cold chicken, so I made some chicken with cheese and lettuce salad. Yeah, in a bun. It was nice. I find it acceptable. You may proceed. Because <laughs> it was really nice weather here today. It's like 70, 65 to 70 Fahrenheit. So You know what? We actually beat you. It uh, got up to um, the, the upper 70s here. Mid-80s yeah. well, around but that's, here. That's hot for here because of the sea breeze. Right. That's hot for here, too. But especially yeah. this time of year. Okay. I mean, especially... Gentlemen, gentlemen, you both have perfectly adequate penis. I was just going to say, especially Yay, after the I fact that last week, penis. at this time, we had a foot of snow. Yeah, I'm jealous of that. I want your foot of snow. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. You don't understand how much I want your foot of snow. Oh, Wait, my. what? <laughs> <sighs> and that, and we're, we're, we're demonetized. Good night, folks. Oh, yeah, because we're monetized in the first place. Uh, that's true. Anyway, so what have you guys been up to since the last episode or since you were last on? Since Sarah hasn't been on in a while. Yeah, everything got really busy all at once. I barely had time for playing. Uh, though I did manage to get on and finally uh, hunt Rathalos. Cool. Yeah, I had never gotten to that before. I just been one of those things of like, eh, I'll get to that eventually. And then eventually finally came. Uh, other than that, lots of library stuff. Uh, summer reading program is coming up, so everyone's gearing up for that. Uh, I have a new roommate who is actually cool and, like, talked more to me in the first night he was here than my previous, uh, roommate had in the entire time he lived here. Wow. By, like, an order of magnitude. Damn. 
yeah, previous guy was a hermit who did not like interacting with anyone. But hermits need places to live, too. Well, sure. But they should go with <laughs> other people who are expressly not interested in interacting with anyone. Mm. The problem with that, though, is that they then can't find those because they won't talk to them to get the room in the first place. I mean, I get that. At the same time, I feel a little weird about sharing a living space with someone who decidedly does not even want to do the barest interaction, like, say, for instance, figuring out uh, if the garbage has been taken. Mm, yeah. Like, there's some bare minimums you need if you're going to be sharing a living. Yeah. And Also, to learn how to make cake for people. That's also a great thing to do. Oh, yes. Like, cake. cake covers a variety of ills. Uh, cake is the best. But oh, yeah, I'm sad that my um, sorry for bringing this to me, but my look, my I had a little butcher's on my street um, that's been closed down recently because not you know many people were using it, so they couldn't afford to keep it running. Aww. But now it's been replaced by a cake shop, and Ooh. I talked to the lady that's going to be owning it, and she's like, "Oh no, I I can't guarantee any of my foods are safe." I'm like, "Ah." Oh, that's right, because suppose she has no cake uh, for chili. decorations too, huh? Yeah. That's okay, a bummer. Well, you know what? Maybe if you put in a special order, she can make sure to yeah. clean everything off ahead of time. expensive. <laughs> anyway, sorry, go back to you. I mean, so, a lot of places will do that for you, though, if they really want your business. Yeah. Anyway, anything else there? Um, I feel like there must be, but I can't really think of anything right now. Well, you, you went um, to a, a show... Oh, so yeah, one of the ones I missed was because of some. I thought I told people all this, but like, a friend of mine had last, uh, got last minute Cirque du Soleil tickets and was offering one for free. And so I saw Cirque du Soleil, which was a thing I was not expecting to ever do, and that was really fun. I actually felt kind of bad for you guys. I think Klaus was like, no, Sarah, like, that's an awesome thing. You should jump on this opportunity. Yeah. And I appreciate it. I was less so about your other reason, but I, again, I figured it was a social thing, and I was like, Sarah needs this. Yeah. yeah. How was <laughs> it, by the way? Uh, it was really, really cool. Uh, That's good. The, there, uh, there was uh, a, couple, a couple of them that were really entrancing. There was one person who was, uh, she was doing like a trapeze act, sort of thing. An aerial act where she was suspended by her hair. Eee. That's cool. Yeah. Like, and scary. Yeah, like the way that... God, just the setup in that to make sure that the weight is evenly... or the force is evenly distributed across her head must have in and of itself been a, a huge amount of work. Well, I'm assuming that a lot of it had to do with the setup of the ponytail initially. Yeah, yeah. I would imagine something like that. Uh, She really likes to have her hair pulled. Even then, you're suspending <laughs> someone's weight by that. Well, I'm assuming she was pretty small, though. I don't know. I didn't ask. It seemed improper. <laughs> I wonder. I wonder if there's extensions involved. Eh, I mean, even then, it would still like even then it was still attached to the scalp eventually. Yeah, yeah. I mean, extensions would actually probably rip out. Anyway, yeah. we don't we don't need to discuss uh, Anyways, the properties yes. of hair. I'm, I'm but I'm glad you had a great time. Wait, that's it. not what this podcast is about. Well, now I'm leaving. Bye. Special lore segment: Keratin in the uh, creatures of Eorzea, <laughs> from fur to horn. 
How about you, Chili? What have you been up to since the last episode? Um, there we go, Dan. <laughs> that much. Right, so I'm, uh, nah, yeah, all, all of the things. Yeah, all, all of the things. Not really much, to be honest. I mean, we did it a couple of weeks ago for the anime um, detour podcast special. Yeah. But apart from that, I've just been doing stuff on 14, doggo farming and all that stuff. Yeah, how's that been going for you? I have four of the doggos. So, I'm getting hashtag there. Chili hacks. Yeah, hashtag chili hacks. Um, so, I don't even like the final dog, but it's just, now that my Ray, <laughs> humble brag here, but now that my Ray group has finished with this tier, we don't really have much to do as a group now, so we're doing doggos instead. You can do Eureka. Not everyone's at the same level, that's the problem with that, though. Yeah, no, some I, of them are I, max level, some of them aren't. So. You, you could patch each other up with the challenge log bonuses. That's true. <laughs> but you, we only raid for about an hour and a half, so... That's half of us of a, 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 a thing in uh, Eureka. Yeah. Enough time uh, for a no, group to get through challenge log. We're doing between doggos and A12S and yeah. We're going to do some A12S next Tuesday actually to help people get the mount from that. I need to get all of those mounts. Yeah. So. That fight is actually, e by the way, spoilers for anyone. If you want to do it easier, don't go with a full pie. Actually go with three DPS instead of four. I found that's actually easier than going with the four DPS. Why is that? Huh. Um, because there's you got the three uh, DP, uh, DPS get debuff, and one person doesn't. So if you've got four DPS, the one that doesn't has to uh, run to one or yeah the north. Um, but if you but that way, if you only have three DPS instead of four DPS, all three DPS always get the same debuff. And you're always guaranteed so, to know what's going on. Yeah. It's kind of similar within Thoradin. Thoradin X, you know, they've got the, the jump markers yeah. during that one phase. Yeah. We had three DPS You're supposed at to one point. The, 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 same thing. DPF, the, the one with no DPF is supposed to stack with someone. But because we've got so much health now that they don't really need the person to stack if you, you know, put shields. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. It's actually, I found it easier with three DPS instead of four. Makes sense. And you're doing enough damage anyway, it's going to go down. Yeah. And I've been doing a lot of, uh, I've been doing some uh, burb farming actually with uh, um, Crossworld Link's shell that I'm in now. It's uh, um, Brock's uh, shell from Excalibur. We've been doing a lot of stuff in that and it's been a lot of fun. We've been streaming it here as well on twitch.tv slash phoenixdownradio. Um, nice. Got my Thornton burb and uh, we got a lot of people, uh, other burbs. And uh, we're working on Sephiroth now, and we're going to try and go through all of them and get everybody all the birds so we can all get firebirds, and then we're going to go doggo farming and maybe even um, uh, Alexander Savage um, mount farming. Nice. Stuff to do. I, I said mean, A12S is really easy now, and A4S is a joke anyway. And like so. I said, I was telling Chili earlier before that we started the show, I'm wondering if maybe I shouldn't run through 09S just to get a ring. To get everything at uh, eye level 400. I mean, it's the only thing that's yeah. not right now, so. Well, if I can help you, I'll just say, and I don't mind running it with you. No problem. Aside from that, um, it's been uh, playing a lot and working a lot and just having fun, though. Trying to enjoy. Yeah. 
you know, we had a shit ton of snow last week, which kind of sucked, but uh, <laughs> this week has been beautiful. So can't complain there. I uh, just want to throw out a quick reminder to everybody that we are trying to hit 50 sub points here on Twitch um, by the end of May, possibly. Um, and if we can, we want to do that so we can unlock all the emotes for everybody so we can uh, have, you know, maximum emote slots so you can use those um, and have them here. So if you subscribe to us here on Twitch uh, in the months of April or May, we've got a special thing going where we're going to send you a bumper sticker as a thank you for being so awesome. And if we hit our goal by 50, 50 points by the end of the month, we're going to start doing some uh, special giveaways as a huge thank you to everybody who helped us out. So if you have... And just like uh, real chili there. Not just like that. That's how you sub. That stupid twat chili did yeah. it. That's how you do it. <laughs> but no, it's it's very helpful to us. We do really sincerely appreciate it. And um, we'll make sure to uh, you know thank you properly for that. We're not doing it to make money, but by all, by all means, like I said, we want to try and get more emotes for you guys. We currently have four, and we can unlock three more slots for the tier one, so. Help us hit our goals. We love you. And if you have uh, Amazon Prime, you can link it to your Twitch account and get a free Twitch Prime sub every month. Just make sure yeah, you reuse it. Yeah, remember if you have... I don't know if it's still going on, but for a while... If you had Twitch Prime and you've subscribed to... Well, if you had Amazon Prime and you got Twitch Prime, you could get a year's worth of Nintendo Online for free. Yep, if you have a Switch. Um, also, you yeah. can still get um, the starter edition of Final Fantasy XIV with 30 days of uh, subscription for free, too. I have a code to give away if you have anybody who needs it for Windows. I thought it ended. No, it's till May. So I got like two weeks to give okay. it away yet. Three weeks. Well, whatever. you can at least get the code, and I don't think the code. Um, yeah, I don't think the code expires. I'll have to double check that. So yeah, I'll have to pull my yeah. code out so I can uh, get that taken care of. Um, another really cool thing that's going on now is um, the men. For those of you who remember last year, um, a group out on Balmung decided to try and raise some money by RPing um, Blitzball. Well, it's back this year, guys, and. Uh, we are uh, helping out again. The Menfina's Madness Blitzball Tournament is back again this year. And uh, we are going to once again be sponsoring the Kugane Crushers. Yeah. What's up? Yes, yes. Go see Chocobos. Nah, they suck. Moogle <laughs> Ch- uh, Around is sponsoring the, the Sea Chocobos. So. Yeah, Sea Chocobos. So, uh, like, are there Blitzball hooligans? There can be. Excellent. Um, what I just posted there is um, that is the uh, poster and artwork for the Kug- the Kugane Crushers artwork, and it is absolutely amazing. When I first saw it today, I was like, "Wow, the artist did an amazing job!" Not only is our mascot Jim, but our colors are gold and rainbow. I'm sure I don't know what's being implied. Wasoy. No, I thought it was amazing. I mean, because the fact that of how much rainbow we use at, at, in Phoenix Down Radio, it's true. But like it, a it, lot of attention uh, was given to that. I'm not sure really... if that if that was actually part of it, but if it was, thank you. I think the rainbow act. It, the, if you click on the link that I posted there, it goes out to the for uh, Golden Glory Tumblr page, and it gives right. you a little bit of a uh, story as to what the um, Kugane team is like. 
Um, it's basically open to lots of different uh, um, uh, peoples and races. So, yeah, this is something where like the role players really put a lot of time and effort into it, uh, and a lot of haul. Yes, a lot of this looks like professional level stuff, and it's always really impressive. And the nice thing this year, um, the uh, we're supporting uh, to write love on her arms. Um, T-W-O-L-O-H-A dot com. They are a nonprofit organization dedicated to presenting hope and finding help for people struggling with depression, addiction, self-injury, and suicide. I'm going to post a link here again. Oh, thanks, Chili. You beat me to it. <laughs> um, uh, T-W-L-O-H-A exists to encourage, inform, inspire, and also to invest directly into treatment and recovery. Um, there will be more information announced in the coming days, um, but uh, our friend Dylan Thorne on her Tumblr page uh, has a lot of information about what's going to be happening here. Damn it, Chill, you're beating me. <sighs> Is that right clicking instead of scrolling? Anyway. Um, so then uh, you're going to copy this last one for us too. If you want to support, uh, pledge your support for the Crushers or any of the eight teams. Um, there's a document that they put out that you can uh, put your support down for uh, and um, put your information down. No financial info is taken from this, um, so it's just to get uh, notified as to uh, when um, you you know who's interested in, in supporting what team, and then they'll be in contact with you about uh, setting all that up, sending you the links to actually doing the support. We've got some really cool I'm, things coming up with it, so. And I'm. Uh... Given that we do are going to have the world visit, actually, is the world visit system supposed to be working by then? I forget the, yes. if Tuesday. we have an exact date on it. Tuesday. Okay, so yes, assuming there are no issues with that, I think a lot this event is going to be a lot more fun with people being able to attend much more easily, being able to visit to the other world, not having Wait, to worry remember about. you can't uh, visit a world that is congested, so you still won't be able to, may get, not to, be able to get onto Balmung, but. They're going to be on Crystal, so I mean, if you have a character over there, you can potentially try to do a visit during the matches. Yeah. And for future events, you could always see about try hosting them on various servers to make the world visit a little more feasible. Yep. Heck, and they could go from Balmung to another Crystal world, couldn't they? They, yeah. they definitely just... could. They could go to, uh, um, if they wanted to put it out on Diabolos or um, Brynhildr or any of the other worlds available, you know, maybe... So would... that's how you say that word. Yes. Yep. I was I was trying to say it earlier because my mates were asking about servers. I'm like Brahanda, Brahindul. <laughs> <laughs> like, what is this uh, word? <laughs> so yeah, the, the the organizers have done an amazing job this year and improved a lot of things over last year. Um, they're hoping to triple their uh, what they raised last year. They raised over a thousand dollars last year, and they're hoping to get to about three thousand this year. So. Um, figure out if you if you're able to support T W L O H A. And uh, um, go see Chocobos, and uh, we would really appreciate that. So, thank you very much, guys. Go Koban Crushers! Watch all this might you under the might of our well. Yes, yes. And Walk. rainbows. What's up? Oh man, I definitely have to find a way to show up with the Mikoshi. Anyway. Anyway. Um, well, at least do the if, if you can do all the all the beast traps, at least you'll be able to turn up with the headpiece on. Yeah, don't forget the ability to scatter that gold. Just remember, you'll have to yeah. be able to do this on your character on crystal. Shit. Yeah. Okay, never mind. <laughs> Wasoy! 
Um, See Chocobos. Uh, Final Fantasy yeah. VII Symphonic Reunion Concert has been scheduled for June 9th, which is shortly before E3 at the Dolby Theater in L.A. Tickets went on sale today, um, and uh, all of the uh, cheap $77 tickets were sold out within, like, five minutes. Yeah. But uh, there are other uh, seats available. So you, if you want, you can potentially uh, still get seats to go see it if you want to go see some amazing Final Fantasy VII music played live. I'm going to call that they're going to announce the remake stuff there. Actually, that's what I was going to get into, why I said that it's shortly before E3. Two years ago, they did a Kingdom Hearts concert that was just before E3, and they uh, they actually played a trailer and had some more information coming yeah. from that. So there's a, a very high possibility that we're going to see something similar. Um, Especially with Sony not doing E3 this year. Yep. And I posted yeah, a link. I still don't know why they made that decision. I post- well, there's no point doing E3 this year. They've got they're focusing on the PS5 in 2020, so chances are everything that's already been announced has already been announced, so they won't have much to be at E3. And they have enough presence with their third party um, people yeah. there that people are they're going to be well represented. Yeah. And so, I, the link I posted there goes to the uh, the shop where you can buy tickets um, if they're interested. I don't know if you guys. Read the interview with Mark Cerny about the PS5. No. Um, he, they, he had an interview with Wired.com about the new console, and some of the specs are crazy. Uh, you mean it like wasn't with PSU.com? Oh uh, no, it was with Wired.com. <laughs> um, you can they could like they confirmed that the PS5 will be supporting ray tracing um, and so 3D audio. Have, so it's Nvidia. No, they're going with AMD. So it's not necessarily ray tracing, but it's a it or it'll be a, a type of it, I suppose. Yeah. Not not RTX, but a, a different type of ray tracing. Yeah. So basically, we're confirming uh, that the new AMD graphics chips are going the are going to have uh, ray tracing capabilities. Yeah, and they've going with the um, Zen two cores for the CPU. So. Interesting. Yeah, it's gonna going to be quite a beefy console. I'm surprised they're not going with the upcoming Zen threes. It's probably timing. They maybe ha- are wor- working on uh, actually producing them right now. And you go remember the cost. As mu- the Zen 3 will cost so much. They can't have too much of a... They've got to have a limit on how much the console will be worth. So It's, not, it, yeah. it's still going to be a $400 console. Yeah, but if they're going to throw in a Zen 3, plus they plan to have SSDs in it. Oh, okay. So Yeah, they've said that they've got a custom solution for the hard drive. Where uh, they showed off, they actually showed off Spider-Man on the PS4, and then showed it off on the PS5 because they also confirmed backwards compatibility. Um, and the load, the fast travel went from 15 seconds to 0.8. Just because so, of the uh, the way that they're handling storage now. Yeah. Is it still going to be so, user upgraded or user upgradable? I, well, I don't know. That, we just know that stuff from the wide article, so okay. we'll know more hopefully end of the year. So it'll probably have some sort of custom Navi graphics chipset, and then use it as Zen 2 and then SSD. That's pretty beefy. Does, yeah. Here's the question. Did he mention anything about Blu-ray still? Oh, uh, yeah, because it has physical support, yeah. They've mm-hmm. said that it supports physical media. Because they just announced that Xbox, they're going to have a discless or a, a, a CD-ROM-less version. Yes, yeah, so I like to call it the Xbox SAD. <laughs> anyway. The, uh, no, it's as, no, it's called the Xbox All Digital. Xbox sad. 
Yeah, no, I know, I know. <laughs> uh, <sighs> but the funny, by the way, the funny part about the Xbox S all digital is, um, sorry for going so off topic. Um, it actually has space on the chip and inside the thing for the disk drive. They just took it out. Yeah, it even has the eject button underneath the casing. So you could mod it and put one in. Yeah. It would cost more than buying one with, the, with one in it, but... Well, it costs more than buying one with it anyway. So it must have a larger hard drive? No. So why would you buy this thing? I don't know. It has more games with it for free. Oh, it comes with games. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, speaking of Xbox Sad, I mean Xbox One, um, <laughs> Final Fantasy X and X2 HD are now finally available on the Switch and the Xbox One. So you can go play those games there for the first time. Or again. Oh, so Square Enix stopped contacting me about that. They stopped? Every time I look at my emails, I keep getting, did you know that Xbox One and Switch again, Fantasy X and Fantasy X 2 remake coming soon? Or another one of the favorites is, you won't believe what's inside this email. Click. Fantasy X and Fantasy X 2 are coming to <laughs> Xbox One and Switch. <laughs> they really want to make sure you know about that. I have it on Vita and PS4. I don't need it again. And, and PS2? Yeah, and PS2. In fact, I found my demo disc from from when I bought Final Fantasy VI. Yeah, I saw that. And 7. And 8. Yeah. yeah, demo 7 had a demo of 8 and 6 had a demo of 10. Which is weird because 6 was a, P a PlayStation game. Well, yeah, it didn't come out here till 2002, though. But it was still a on a wasn't it? A, but so it was a PlayStation game with a PlayStation Two disc in it. Yeah, it had a PS Two demo disc with wow. it. Wow, that's yeah. weird. Yeah. <sighs> uh, I mean, the PS Twos were backwards compatible, weren't they? Yeah, they were. They were. So yeah. and the PS Two was already out by the time we got six. So yeah, right. And the the fact that I actually the first game that I bought for my PS Two was a PlayStation game. It was Final Fantasy Nine. Yeah. <laughs> oh, good game. Good choice. Now this is you do well. Now this isn't actually a Final Fantasy game, but it's it's another uh, Square Enix uh, um, RPG title. Uh, they announced that Octopath, Octopath Traveler is set to have a Steam release on June seventh. Ooh, I'm glad more people are going to get to play that game. It I'm actually different. very happy for that. I'm tempted to pick it up. Do it. Um, I just I, buy it. I haven't. It's probably, I haven't seen what the price is going to be on it, but. Um, they, they also put in a uh, um, they, they released an announcement trailer for it as well. I'm going to link that so you guys can take a look at that if you want. Um, it looks very interesting. So I'm yeah. I know I couldn't afford to buy a, a Switch just to get this, but the fact that now it's coming on PC, I'm very tempted. Very tempted. Yeah, you should play it. It's a good game. Can recommend. I can also recommend. I haven't played it, but I can also recommend. All right, and we were kind of alluding to it a little earlier. The NA Data Center expansion and uh, the addition of the World Visit Service um, will be starting off with a 24-hour maintenance for all NA worlds starting on Monday, uh, April 22nd at 3 a.m. Pacific time. Now, this is a 24-hour maintenance, so it's going to be 3 a.m. on Monday to 3 a.m. on Tuesday. They said if the maintenance goes beyond 24 hours, that all players will be compensated with a free day added to their subscription. But, Chili, yeah. you had said that they gave that free day to everybody on, on um, EU, even though they Yeah, they early. gave it to everyone, so... 
we might get a free day, but I, I remember yeah. seeing something that if it was extended beyond the yeah. initial 24 hours. That was the original story for EU as well. They said, oh, if it's extended beyond, and then they're just like, oh, here you go anyway. Yeah, so we'll have so. to see. Um, but there will be all worlds maintenance starting at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So Yeah, just like what they did for EU because we had some maintenance yep. to help with the EU stuff. And they, they have to be able to turn on world visit for all the data centers. Yeah, that's why it's a little bit of a longer um, maintenance window as well. I mean, that's a, a nine-hour maintenance. Um, and also, there is currently a free login campaign. Don't start it right now, please. Whatever you do, do not start the free login Don't campaign do it. now. Wait until after the maintenance, please. In fact, no, I'd say wait until after the maintenance. Maintenance. I, I'm going to say there'll be some server issues when the servers go live yeah there were over on eu yeah there were a lot of so wait until the chaos and light well give it it a few days or something Mm -hmm. uh for the new bugs that they did predict to shake i'm guessing they'll have some idea of what to expect from the other data center which means that now there's going to be a new set of problems probably but i mean i'm not just that but now we're going to have the world visit added yeah so that's gonna be that's the new set of problems we're gonna have yay but I'm assuming that's why they did it on uh, EU first, because one, it impacted less worlds, and two, it was a way for them to, uh, you know, shake out any of the uh, the bugs that might come with it. Well, EU doesn't have World Visit yet. No, I'm I'm talking about the data center portion. Of oh, it. data center, yeah. Which, by the way, uh, if you've watched Frosty TV stream, suppose there's it's made the EU community really upset because there's so little people actually doing the content now on Party Finder. With yeah, it, even at like. Eight, seven to eight o'clock at night on an Easter Saturday, there's probably only about three different party finders up. Yeah, because there's only, uh, which, well, I mean, that's, I suppose there's only eight, uh, six worlds on each server now? Yeah. Or is it, uh, eight? No, it's six. It's six. Yeah, six. So, yeah, they're having problems with, like, party finder because there's not enough people actually doing it now. Hmm. Because it's split, they're already small community, which is split up as well to even smaller communities, because of the fact that there's so many languages in Europe. Yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. I can see that we might get hit with something like that a little bit too, because we're yeah. going from uh, having eleven and thirteen worlds down to eight. Yeah. So. But we don't have the language barrier on top of that. I don't yeah. know. Is have that... you listened to some people try and understand what a southern person is saying? Uh, Sorry. I... Please, like, facial expression. Wish you could see it right now. You're not the only one. Significant side eye, Klaus. <laughs> I literally sighed into the mic. I'm going to yeah. do it again. <sighs> Aurori laughed. And that's all one that matters. Second. That's because Aurori is a supportive trooper who's always behind. That <laughs> doesn't mean you're right. me It was probably face. an awkward laugh. It was like, <laughs> why did you do that, Klaus? Anyway. But yeah, we'll find out. Um, but anyway, what's nice about this particular free login campaign is it's not just a four-day one. They're giving you up to seven days for free. Yeah. So well, remember, as soon nice. as you click the login button, that's when it starts. So if you've got updates, yeah, that cuts into your hours. But if you're on PS4, it should already be pre-downloaded for you. Yeah, and if it hasn't pre-downloaded, just press start, check for updates, and it'll download. Yep, yeah, that won't impact your time. But when you first yeah, sign in, then it does. So, yeah, uh, it's only on PC. 
bit of extra time. Correct. Um, they also uh, released a digital uh, Final Fantasy XIV Stormblood EP. It's available on iTunes and Amazon. Um, they It's a, a selection of eight different songs. Uh, you can choose from Sunrise, A Land Long Dead, Battle, Escape, Heartless, A Paul Most Murderous, or From the Dragon's Wake for 99 cents each. Or if you buy them all, you'll also get From the Heavens um, for $9 from Amazon or $10 on iTunes. Which kind of sucks because they're actually cheaper individually. But you don't get uh, the last song, which is twice as long as the rest of them. No, but even if you could buy that last song individually, it's technically cheaper. Yeah, no, I know. I agree because you're you're paying $7 to buy the other seven songs individually, $6.93 technically, or you're paying $9 on Amazon and and $10 on iTunes. You're paying an extra dollar to get one more. That Apple tax. An extra $3 to buy one more song on iTunes. Yeah. Yeah. That Apple tax. Yeah. It doesn't make much sense to me either, but I figured if you're interested in getting a, f- a few select songs and you don't have the, uh, uh, the Stormblood uh, soundtrack, this is maybe a way for you to get some songs. Um, and of course, don't forget the Final Fantasy 15 crossover is live right now. So if you have not yet, uh, you can go get your own regalia. It only costs 200,000 MGP or whatever like, it, uh, I, monthly payments I, of... <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> I am somewhat heartwarmed at just how much people are sharing information about good ways uh, to get MGP and to raise that money. I am also really pleased that the outfit that you are wearing right now, Klaus, also looks about the same on women, that I don't have to do a slutty version of it. No. I like that casual. Yeah, well, I, this my outfit is actually a mix of different ones. The top is from the event. The pants are actually the squall pants. The boots are the cloud boots. And I'm using the uh, um, the Hure gloves. Well, sure, but my point is the jacket itself like still remains faith. Yes, I've the- always liked that kind of like slightly androgynous uh, look to it. I don't like the ones where it's like, oh look, I am a female character. Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't have like a uh, the, the the slutty shirt underneath. Yeah, none of that. Like like well, at least <laughs> you know, unlike like I'm I'm thinking of what is it the Kiramu coat? The guy doesn't even have a shirt underneath. Yeah, there's oh. a lot I could say here, but that goes into like a half hour gender. <laughs> so we'll like to say that. Yeah. Um, but and, I like this outfit. It totally fits the aesthetic. I Yeah, I thought it was pretty well done. And then you dye it metallic green. It also has flappy bits. Yay, for Actually, flappy bits. Actually, hang on, let me... No, that's the, that's the Easter one. Not, oh, not, okay. not the one for the, the crossover event. The Easter one... Oh yeah, that one doesn't have flappy bits. Well, the shirt, the the jacket does flop a little bit, but I really can't show you without being able to sit down again. So. But yes, we have cute sprig and whatnot. Yep, you have basically two more days to get that. Uh, unless yeah. you're on NA, then you have a day and a half. You've got so basically. Make sure you do it before. Do it and it's not that difficult, uh, Sarah. You still need to do it, correct? Yeah, that's probably what I'm getting done this tonight. Here you go. It shouldn't take you more than an hour, hour and a half. Hot damn! Probably not even that long for you. You're 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 pretty quick on the t- uptake for that stuff. So yeah, yay puzzles. And I, I guess there is a, uh, a screenshot contest for the EU chili. 
Yay! I'll never enter it, but yay! I should enter it because I want some of the stuff. I've never got any of the prizes. Also, yeah, not that many people enter uh, some of these contests. And so if you get in, like, even if they're just picking randomly, you've got a pretty damn good shot. Yeah, I want my gale cap. I want a little kitty for my head. You don't want the noble barding? Well, I want that, but I can't use it. I can't glamour that, so I can only... Yeah. You can just enter multiple contests. Problem solved. There you go. Maybe I'll go for the one Scarf of Wondrous Wit. <laughs> if you could see my face now. <laughs> I don't know. I can't see it behind your Scarf of Wondrous Wit. Which I bought for 50 gil. Ah. Awkward. Uh, <laughs> don't worry. It'll be another two years before anyone can buy it again. For it takes about two or three years. All right. Um, so, yeah, that basically covers the gaming community news. If you guys have something you want us to talk about that's happening on your servers, let us know. Uh, send us an email, podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. You can tweet at us at phxdnradio out on Twitter. Um, yeah. So this week, uh, we talked about it a little while back. I tasked Sarah with getting through Eureka. How did you do it, Sarah? Yeah, I, that so didn't happen. <laughs> but I did the next best thing. You poured through all sorts of documents and sat down and watched someone who diligently recorded every single cutscene and in-area uh, in interaction and all of that. As well as the fights against the various, uh, like, notorious monsters, which was kind of fast. The different Zuzus? Like, yeah. Uh, 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 to be honest, that sounds like more fun for you than actually playing it. Yeah, I mean, I'd still like to at some point. Just stuff has been, again, really busy, and I've barely had the chance to log in. So I was like, okay, make some popcorn, get comfy. Uh, and yeah, it turned out to actually be kind of a fun little movie summary of it. Which also, since a lot of... A lot of the stuff were pretty much, okay, go get some more levels. Okay, there's another step in this that says, uh, yeah. getting out the same thing. So having it all in a single narrative made it a lot easier to keep track of and follow what was going on, also, rather than having it broken up. Before we get going, shout out to uh, YouTube channel Harmonia for uh, oh. creating those amazing videos that Sarah and I watched. I watched them to basically just re uh, refresh myself on it and... Um, put down some notes for for the show tonight and Sarah used that I, I sent that to Sarah and that's what he watched um to kind of get through it so yeah let me see if they have any information about the uh oh uh, nope but yeah harmo h-a-r-m-o-n-e-a -E uh looks like they already have a healthy number of subscribers and if that's the kind of quality content they're putting out uh they've done uh Final Fantasy 14 the movie for various patches class and job quests, side quests. So if it's just something where you want to refresh yourself on the cutscenes, uh, check specific lines, other stuff like that, lots of good options from that. Yeah. Actually, fairly impressive work. Lots of videos. Mm -hmm. Lots of videos. So check them out. Very amazing, well-done stuff. Um, so, yeah, we're going to talk about the Eureka story and lore today. Uh, discussion, we're going to be going over the story, and then for the lore segment, Sarah's going to dig deeper into the lore aspect of it. Uh, so. It's messy. A mysterious island appears in the middle of the glass sea. Initial attempts to investigate it have failed, 
as the land is overrun with dangerous beasts and a number of odd etheric disturbances. We have been tasked to join in on an expedition, backed by the East Eldenor Trading Company and House of Rowena, Rowena, to discover the secrets behind this mystery. Now, I do appreciate that they uh, made sure to cover, because taking an investigation out to this, this is a random island in the middle of nowhere. Investigations aren't free, so they actually spend a bit of time talking about the financiers behind it, uh, calling back to a number of points that they've established before, uh, and it's one of those little details that, especially as someone who likes economics, just really appreciating those little bits filled in, where both Hancock and Rowena are interested in uh, if a new island has appeared in the middle of the glass ocean, unclaimed by anyone. This seems like a really good place to establish support, have support for shipping operations where you don't have to deal with the sky-high tariffs that Kugane puts on all of uh, the stuff passing through their port. Then question, 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 and then profit. Pretty much. I mean, it... it the step two seems reasonable. Like, build a port. Maybe supply ships. Go around Kugane entirely. Let them... Wait, no. I'm supporting Kugane. I don't know whose side I'm on anymore. <laughs> and Kryle, of course, has a personal interest in investigating the island, but she's reluctant to say any more about that until she's actually confirmed her theory. Well, the first thing that happens as soon as you set foot is she confirms her suspicions. I mean, it didn't take much, given uh, what it was. Just one look at the place would have been enough to do it. Yep. Yeah, you just land there and go, yep, that's, that's definitely what I wanted to see. Yep, it's the Isle of Val. Oh my god! Spoilers. Now, that's a little bit weird, because it disappeared, uh, literally wiped off the map, the entire island was gone, back in 2.1. And when it was wiped off the map... It was off near the Charlayan homeland, mm -hmm. which is Other a side good of the world. ways. Yeah, like I want to say it's to a bit to the west, northwest. Like you're heading westwards from Dravania in order to get there. So, and now we're halfway around the world, the far east. This exact same island has shown islands do not typically migrate. This is on the back of a turtle. I rather think they would have noticed it was on the back of a turtle long before. Elegance. You're not wrong, and that makes me angry. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could say Asians, but again, you would say the same thing. Also correct. Still angry. Um, the one thing that they notice once we get there is um, they're, we're able to see this tall tower in the distance which is the uh, students of Baldessian headquarters. And it's surrounded by a barrier. Now, Kryle's initial thought, are there survivors? Because when she left, there was quite the, the issue, the, the, the thing happening. You know, she doesn't remember a lot of what happened initially, but uh, all she knows is it wasn't good. And... Uh, if the people survived after the disappearance and then now it's back, she wants to find, because she thought she was the only one who survived for a very long and time. It, I think even back then it was uh, specifically referenced that given that she has the power of the Echo, that she is one of the chosen of uh, Hydaelyn, that she had been rescued 
somehow. So, yeah, the way she was rescued is not even something that she could have counted on happening to other people. Mm -hmm. So her assumption until now is just that she was the only one left. And here's this kind of moment of hope that maybe there are other survivors of it. Well, I guess until she was also met at the docks before we left by a, a really long-haired, strange-looking Lalafell. Yeah. Hey, just just because I had long hair doesn't mean I'm strange. That you don't wear glasses. Other long-haired Lalafell. <laughs> the, the the very uh, you know we couldn't tell if it was a of a boy or a girl Lalafell. Oh uh, yeah. But it's definitely a most definitely a boy, Ajika Tsujika. I believe that's how that's pronounced, is it not? Ajika, close enough, anyway. Um, but um, the island had an Ethernet system designed and built on it, but when we get there, after it, it emerged, or it showed up, the Ethernet was not working anymore. And they couldn't get Wi-Fi to go either, but... Uh, but that's... Damn it, Wi-Fi! Well, said the Ethernet was blocked. Maybe they need to get a new firewall. Uh, maybe huh. they need to do uh, port forwarding. Yeah, have you unplugged it and plugged it back in? Anyway, sorry. Um, computer geek jokes. Um, basically, what will happen, uh, if we want to try and repair it so we can allow us to continue deeper exploration within the island, um, we dub the area we get to Animos. And uh, so we're told to go out and... Uh, explore and uh cryo then contacts us and says hey we've got these little things that are showing up on our, on my scans that uh are blocking the uh the flow of uh ether can you go check them out and as we check these different areas out we discover these tiny little rocks that are full of uh magic maybe why they're called magicite huh yeah makes sense Makes sense to me. But what's cool about that is we can use these magicite to um, basically improve how we are able to uh, work within the interesting ethereal currents and uh, um, how everything is... Because Eureka is really messed up etherically. And these magicite help us to combat some of that and improve how we can fight. We can eat. For those who aren't familiar with it, we get something called the Magia board, and we use the Magicite. Spin to win. Yeah. Yeah. Spin to win. Spin it to win it. And you can either assign these Magicites to one of six different elements, either for offense or defensive use. So if you are fighting something that is Earth-aspected, all of the different enemies here have a different elemental affinity, whether it's Earth, Wind, Water... Fire, or heart. ice, no heart. This, this was something that they touched on <laughs> repeatedly, that one of the issues with this island was not just that you had these savage beasts, but that they, uh, something, lots of weird things were going on with the island's ether, and this had even crept into those creatures that had survived, causing them to attack not just uh, physically, but to be able to strike at your ether. And so the only option was to have something that would allow you to uh, strengthen and rework your own ethereal defenses in order. Correct. So yeah. you can then use these um, magicite to either increase magicite. your offense or your defense. So you take less damage or do more damage to the opposing element. I have to say, I was a, 
Like, I had expected that there might be a little more uh, interesting dynamics in terms of how you set it up in terms of deploying your uh, Magia board into different configurations, and it pretty much ended up being, okay, put it all into one thing, spin that around to the appropriate element, and either of two be able to attack it, or occasionally to be able to defend it. Yeah, depending on if you're a tank or a DPS or a healer. Yeah, I expect... I had hoped for something a little more strategically in. Well, if you're doing... Uh, spoilers, if you're doing BA at the end of the, uh, this, you know, now that it exists, because mm -hmm. by then, yeah, that was a thing, but in BA, um, it is a good idea to balance, have it two separate things for the DPS, so that, that way you've got a little bit of defense. Yeah, or you, you later ones will also give you access to additional magicite that you can put in, yeah. so... If you could be bothered to do it, which... Or get lucky drops, or are rich. Spoilers, not many people can't. Yes. Anyway... We'll we'll discuss that when we get there too. Moving on, yeah. um, so basically we learned that the island was actually fraught with peril even while it was uh, inhabited by the students of Aldesian. Um, so these these like, enemies were there before it disappeared. Like the place got worse, but it was always kind of bad. This was had always been an area that was like, okay, we are not quite sure why you would want to set up shop. They did it, well, we know why they did it now, but... We'll get to that later. Exactly. Um, there, there, it was a strategic reason for doing it that way. They wanted to make sure that it was uninhabited, save for the student's um, HQ. Private research island. Yeah, Ties. basically. Um, for science! That never ends poorly. And then once we get all of the magicite and then... Uh, start to get the final uh, Ethernet relay up and running, we are visited by a strange cloaked figure um, who asks us, Seekest thou power? I power had to, to check the... thine enemies? Oh. To cast down the wicked and raise up the righteous? I just have to say, I as soon as I saw that, I went and checked the script for Xenogears because there's a character who says something Similar, but not the same, and I wanted to make sure it wasn't actually. Oh, you thought maybe it, it was a reference? But... Hmm? Think it's a reference? No, uh, I thought it might be, and so I like immediately looked up uh, the script for Xenogears, and it turned out not to be, but that was like the first place. Gotcha. Um, right after that, we get an echo, our first echo flashback of Eureka. Um, we see uh, four figures from basically the nose down. Um, talking about fighting a powerful being and trying to lock it up on a remote island that could also serve as a prison. We learn that one of them is named Galuf. Is that how? I thought it was Galuf. I, it, it could, I think it's I Galuf. I don't know if it's Galuf or Galuf. Could be either or. Is it Bahamut or Bahamut? Is Bahamut. It, that is one's it, easy. Is it Ifrit or uh, Ifrit? Anyway. Is it Shiva or Sassy Queen? We get it. <laughs> is it Garuda or Garuda? Is it Sukiyomi or Tuskanomi? Tuskanomi. <laughs> that one has an established pronunciation. <laughs> yeah. Oh my T god. Tuskanomi, according to Chile. Regardless. Um, So Nick Nars says, but, uh, yeah, I used to say Galif as well, but I figured, you know, it could be Galoof. 
I never played. It's like it's supposed five. to be what Tidus. It's not Tidus or something like that. I always said Tidus. Tidus. At any rate, uh, that strange visitation notwithstanding, we do have the Ethernet relay up and running. Uh, Kral teleports in shortly afterwards to uh, prove that. Being rather relieved that she has arrived with all of her bits intact. Yeah. And so with that, uh, they are ready to uh, further expand the reach of the Ethernet and use that to reach another region of the island. Though she was very uh, um, shocked to hear about our little uh, echo. Oh, yes, especially yeah. with the name of her grandfather popping up. Yes, that. so. But that basically uh, ends the storyline of uh, Animos, at which point we uh, once uh, once it's available, uh, we go back to uh, the Thancred wannabe out on the docks. and Rod. And we are uh, taken to the next zone, which has been dubbed Pagos. Hell. I mean, Pagos. Yep. A Latin uh, root indicating ice. Really? Yeah, Yeah. I know. Such a surprise. I know. I could have swore it would have been Earth, but... I will say I am mildly annoyed that they didn't uh, have it be like all four classical elements. So you have earth, uh, earth air, fire, water. Yeah. Instead we got uh, I instead we got ice, uh, air, fire, water. But whatever. I don't know how the Earth one would have worked aside from having constant dust storms. And Other than I that, have what, like, earthquakes, cave systems, maybe. Yeah. So but then that would be naturally occurring. How would it be over aspect? Eh, too many earthquakes. Larger earthquakes. So now we have access here, and um, we we learned from Ajika um, that uh, there's something inside of HQ because there is some uh, etheric pressure being exerted outward instead of inward if we were trying to, you know, keep something out. Like, if it... Yeah, if it was uh, something where the outside environment is trying to invade, then you see, like, okay, there's pressure being pushed on it from the outside. But pressure coming from the inside suggests that there is something in there that it is powerful and that it is trying to push its way. And that they're trying to keep in. But we don't know what that is yet, so... But there's that suggestion that there's something more going on here than we know about. Kryle is still holding out hope that there are still survivors, so we need to continue and uh, build up the Ethernet so we can continue our exploration. Um, so we continue investigating the restriction of the flow of Ether. Um, this time we discover that the uh, confluences are much weaker than they were in Animos, and at their source is a very different stone completely deplete of all Aether. A depleted magicite, so to speak. I was rather amused that Kryle makes a comment that she reserves the right to give them a completely different name. But... <laughs> I don't know if you noticed that, but that's actually mentioned multiple times. <laughs> so if they end up uh, doing that, so. It's like, oh, and it turned out to be a different ancient elegant here. It was actually just a potato all along. Uh, they uh, wish. I feel like people would have should have noticed that. Um, as we're searching for them, we find one that actually has a stronger uh, etheric signal, um, but we discover our masked friend um, there. Not and then, Steve! 
We get Different an- masked friend. Yeah. <laughs> we get another Echo flashback. Uh, the four Dawn Warriors that they've been called by some people um, are discussing on uh, trying to hold, how to hold an icon at bay. And uh, this icon seems to take control of any it deems worthy and how they need to do something that they refer to as reversing the flow. Now, we don't really know what that means right now. Um, but when we come out of it, we notice that our friend is gone, and in its place is another depleted magicite. So yeah, we- Kryl had remarked that although they seemed linked, without actually observing uh, the process, it was impossible for us to be sure, and so here's that proof right in front of them. Basically, yeah. We didn't li- actually see it, but because they were there, and then when, after we got back, they were gone. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty uh, pretty damning evidence on their part that they're doing something to try and weaken these uh, these magicite. But we're not sure to what end exactly. Um, we try and find Ajika to try and get some more information, and we learn that Ajika is a jealous bitch. I mean, can you really blame him? Like, he's all been all working alongside Kryle, who's this person who's like, so, this perfect pure, the planet talked to her. Yeah. Like, that's going to give anyone a inferiority. Yeah. But, I mean... I, I could dodge stuff because the planet tells me what to do. Uh, that's still not canon. Oh, my God, why do people... But the fact that, that he's just so vocally... He's just... He's just an asshole about it, though. Well, sure. He doesn't have to like it. Though he does apologize to us, even though we're basically yeah. in the same boat as uh, Ajika. Um, but, you know, maybe he doesn't realize that it's not always uh, th- this big, fancy thing that it's cracked up to be. It is kind of funny I, that one of the options is, yeah, it's pretty much a, bl- a complete blessing. Yeah, <laughs> I, I actually really like that one. It's like, oh, yeah, no, it really is that awesome. Yeah, I'm not even going to try to pretend to say the nice thing. Let's just both admit it. It's so cool. It's cool. Yeah. Um, like, I appreciated that that was an option. You know, but, but the thing is, he is extremely smart, and he is extremely gifted. He may not get to talk to a, a, a mother crystal that tries to send him on fetch quests now, but uh, he's, he's still, you know, does amazing things, and... To be honest with you, yeah. I'm not sure that this story would be the same without a character like him. Of, of his, yeah, of but his that's kind of cold comfort when you're still the person who's always been kind of second uh, best. Only to himself, he thinks. Or I would, I would think at this point. I don't know. Anyways, this well, is something about which we can actually have because... quite vigorous debate for quite a long time. Yes. So anyway. maybe we should keep going. So we go back to Kryle with this information, and we tell her about the... Uh, um, the scene with reversing the flow and uh, or no, we tell, we were talking to, no, we we're talking to Jika about it. Sorry. And mm-hmm. uh, the reversing the flow reminds him of something. Cryo uh, had called the proto etherite, which they had used in the past to monitor fluctuations in the ether stream when they would perform experiments. Yeah. They explicitly note that it was not one that they usually use for teleportation, which it was kind of nice to say. It's like, yes, this isn't just a convenient teleportation stone. It's a big agglomeration of ether. There's lots of different uses for it. Well, yeah, you could probably use it for that, but it's like, it's not just a convenient plot device for teleportation. 
It does different things. Yeah. It's a multi-purpose Aether crystal. It's also very old. This was built. This was the first um, Aetherite that they actually uh, studied off of and used to design and build the current Aetherite system that we have now. That we uh, still pay for every time we teleport. Well, yeah. Unless um, we have uh, <laughs> the Aetherite coupons. People who are wandering about in the game right now, if you pop over to the Dravanian hinterlands and go into that big old uh, building, the one that the goblins have set up shop in, that big central chamber you can see is their etherite factory, where the Charlanes were in fact uh, creating etherites built on what they learned from that very first. Yep, which was built back in the uh, Allegan Empire. Damn you, Allegans! One way or another, they're behind everything. Um, so we uh, are asked to, to continue to investigate the aetheral uh, um, disturbances, and we are directed to a massive font of aether surging uh, from deep in the ground and going high, high into the sky. For those of you who remember where this, or have been into Pagos and remember where this is, this is just that area north of where Cassie spawns, where all of those um, griffins are, and it's a pain in the ass to get to because they're true sight. It's a really inspiring site, though. It's just cool. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful area, but like I said, to get there, holy shit, you need some. Oh yeah, major luck to get into that. Um, Kryl says she knows what to do to get us out of there, um, but uh, needs additional time to work out all the details. And uh, did you get rid of? You did get rid of my bit, didn't you? Oh, no, never mind. There it is. Uh, meanwhile, <laughs> for some reason, I don't know why it disappeared on me. Uh, meanwhile, Ajika is visited by our masked friend who proclaims to him that he is Eureka. Ka, 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 I ka, am ka. the Eurekas. Ka, 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 ka. Which is a ka, little ka, awkward ka. because, like, Kyle picked that name just because it was referring to some old legend. Like, it's a little awkward to be like, oh, yeah, they called it that, so we'll call it that. It's like, okay, that is it. What a twist! Yeah, I think oh. she actually does remark on that at one point. Yes, yes, in in the next bit, I believe. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. at this point, um, Pyros, when that comes available, we then, uh, you know, crowd figures us out how to get to the next area and wants to study the proto aetherite to get the current state. Uh, you know, get insight on the current state of the Isle at this point. And conveniently, our our uh, base camp is very close to it. So, I mean, I imagine that they're looking for a place to establish base camp based on access. Study. Yes, and also places we can defend and bring in supplies. So anyway, um, Cryo believes that this godlike entity that they call a deiform. Um, is uh, trying to absorb Aether flowing into the headquarters and has been starting to gain strength from it. Which is why we're feeling this pressure pushing out as it's gaining strength. Um, and while we need to continue to try and uh, rebuild the, uh, the uh, Aetherite network, we also need to ascertain the nature of this primal and uh, figure out what its true nature is. As a side note, deiform is a tends to be the term they use when they're going for kind of a more scientific character talking about it. Uh, but 
it's pretty much just any type of godlike entity. So primals, icons, there's all these different terms for them that get tossed back and forth, and each one has their own subtle implications, which doesn't help when you have people who don't know what they mean in-game and out, using them pretty much interchangeably. Yeah, and I, I believe that uh, the, the Dawn Warriors mainly con- uh, call it an icon, whereas... They do. Um, Kryle seems to keep continue to call it a primal. Well, yeah, because she grew up with us, so yep. I guess. Well, even though it actually would technically be an icon because it, it comes from this time of the... Hey, we haven't gotten there yet. Well, yeah. Haven't we? No. We have, oh, no, yeah, we so... haven't actually found out what it is yet. We're not there in the story okay, yet. Okay, okay. It's, it's a mysterious thing that's... Order of Operations energy. matters, damn it. True. All right. We don't know that at this point in the story, even if we telling the story know it now. So, but yes, as there is some type of deform uh, thing that's absorbing ether flowing into the headquarters, and we want to keep fixing that regional ethernet because the search for survivors is still one of Kryle's top priorities. But as a good scion of the seventh dawn, she also, ooh, pardon, would like to investigate what's going on. True. All right. So as we are going through and finding these confluences and discovering more magicite, um, Kryle asks to investigate them. Um, and after she's able to get a few of them, she's able to confirm that Val was teleported to the glass sea. Thank and- God for that 999 teleport gill cap, all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, otherwise that would have been a very expensive teleport. Um, not. I just imagine some gate guard seeing the entire thing teleporting, and it's like, technically it's 1,000 gil, but I feel like you're breaking the spirit of them. (laughs) Instead of being destroyed by destructive magic like Ultima by Asians, which is what what the, that was the prevailing uh, thought um, back when the island first disappeared. Right. They tested our Ultima weapon on it. That was right. the thought that because it was around that same time frame, you know, after we had just beaten uh, Ultima Weapon, we thought maybe the uh, Asians were um, basically trying to uh, um, re- exact revenge by destroying the Charlayan uh, world uh, island there, or just take out uh, inconvenient uh, people who could get in the way of it. True. That's about uh, what I had at the time. And we also determined that the teleportation is what caused these twisted ethereal currents, warped elemental energies, and the things like the weird weather, all these magicites, the different logograms, as well as all the, the, the odd monsters. Uh, which, I mean, that one also makes some amount of sense. Look at what happened to Ishtola and Thancred after their little uh, excursion into the ethereal sea. Yeah, now imagine that for... happening. Go ahead. Like not well, have to, including like the long-term effects on them. Now yeah. imagine that happening to an entire island. Yeah, a small ecosystem. Yeah. And it was in there for months, potentially. Don't, we don't know the exact amount of time, honestly. We never know the exact amount of time. Yeah. There's a time bubble. This is a thing that the loremongers get asked about a lot. Yeah, because this could have been weeks, months... Klaus, you are not asking about the time frame of things. We are not going down this road. I will. He will. For an indeterminate amount of time. 
Yes. Some sort of time period has happened. But yes. Moons have passed. More than one. Less than infinity. Who knows? Let's just go on to we learned that the shrouded man. <laughs> uh, well, I, I want to see how much I can <laughs> aggravate no. Sarah. <laughs> no, we don't need that. We need to oh, do the things. Right. So, so Ajika tells us um, that the shrouded man called himself Eureka. And it, what it's twists? At, it's at this point that Kryle recalled uh, d um, discussing the legend of Eureka with classmates. Um, and thinking it was an underground labyrinth beneath Crystal Tower that contained Which powerful, is a funny callback. powerful uh, elegant umpire weapons. Uh, Nick, no, by the way, how I sit down on couches like that is I do sit on the ground instead of sit. Yeah, G-sit. Yeah, there's an option to, ground I think sit. it's like flash ground sit, which does he yeah. do, has you do the sit on ground animation no matter what you're standing on. Yes. Yeah, that's how I do it. Um, once she recalls that she remembers her uh, her, her grandfather uh, and all the other founders got very quiet and sullen at the mention of the word Eureka, and they just told her no and walked off. No, it's not Eureka. Off you go. And uh, she wondered what she did to upset them. And uh, she's thinking that uh, there's something else behind that name, and she wants to know more about it. So based, at this point, um, so, she learns. So yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I'll go ahead and take this. So with all the information we brought, with the news that uh, Jika brings, all of that, she puts it together and comes to the conclusion that the Isle of Val is actually acting as a gigantic ward that's created by diverting that flow of ether, inverting that pattern, reversing the flow of ether, so as to slowly drain the ether away from the prime. Which is a rather innovative way to defeat a primal. If you cannot attack it directly, maybe you can slowly yeah. siphon the ether out of it and destroy it that way. And so as we remove those ethereal blockages, as we've been finding that magicide, taking care of those confluences, we're not only fixing the island's ethernet, but we are also strengthening uh, that ward, helping uh, seal it away a bit better and reducing the risk that it's going to break out. Uh, but in order to actually properly finish the job, we're going to need to not only get that flow back to normal, but also precisely align it. Uh, a job that we can actually do using etherites like that proto-etherite in a manner that's described as being somewhat similar to the way our Magia board uses magicite. Though Kryle admits that very totally quickly that bad. the metaphor has gotten away from her. Yeah. And but then the big shocker is the proto-etherite is then destroyed because Yujika is now working with Eureka. Dun, dun, dun. I don't um, know if you call it working this, but it's enslavement totally uh, by Eureka. Uh, uh, uh as he has told us, always being envious of the power, the blessings we've been given, was also offered that power uh, by Eureka, and he has very quickly left on that off. And he gets a blade... Of, of pure aether that looks strikingly similar to a to blade yeah to a blade that Odin carries Zantensuken Zantensuken not Hadouken Hadouken not Hadouken uh, but with the destruction of the proto <laughs> with the destruction of the proto aetherite um, the uh, uh, ward has now been destabilized as has the aethernet 
and Eureka starts growing stronger yet. Yeah, and given the fact that we uh, know now that Eureka is some kind of deform akin to a primal, we are instantly concerned that uh, Ijika may now be its thrall, may have been tempered or whatever term. Yeah. Yep. And it's at this point we get another echo flashback um, in the uh, proto-aetherite room of Kryle and Ajika performing experiments with an aged Galuf. Um And Ajika was just as insufferable then as he has been now. But Kryle really enjoys his company. And Galuf recognizes that they actually make a pretty damn good pair, as to which they both reply, We do not! Yeah, neither of them really... I just want to point out, Ajika Tsunjika, last name, starts with Sun, like Sundere. Coincidence? I think. I feel like they would... If things were different, they would be dating. Maybe. I think deep down he wants to smash that potato. Uh, oh my god, you just said that! <laughs> what the hell, Cloud? <laughs> what the hell? Well... But there was like that momentary bit of shock before. It's like, oh god, he actually said. <laughs> Worse has been said on this show, but that's yeah, not saying much. <laughs> and on that note, Crow wants to create a new focal point, just like <laughs> I'm doing right now, to replace the lost prototype Aetherite that in the magistrate we've been collecting, and flood it with Aether from Pyros. So we go to where the ether is shooting up from uh, Pagos. And um, we, we test out that theory, and the magicite is able to absorb all of that additional energy. And Yeah, that plume of ether is so huge that in a completely different region, we can still get to an area that's like far uh, way up above it, and it's still blasting up through there. Yeah. And going much, much higher than we can still see. I'm yeah, surprised I they can't see it for miles and miles and or malms and malms and malms from the glass sea. Well, I mean, it depends on how... Quick side note, it's not the glass sea, it's the glass ocean. Depending on how big this ocean is and where exactly this island is situated in it... I could have sworn they call it the glass sea. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's ocean, but no, at least I was pretty sure it's ocean. Anyways, but... Depending on how high it's going and how far things are, and especially depending on what, what the weather's like around there, which, given the weird patterns we've been seeing, it's not that unthinkable that it wouldn't be visible. Yeah, it could be shrouded in clouds. Yep. I mean, I was actually going to say that bit, so... Uh, anyway, I then we go to Hydaos. Correct. Kral opens up the way to the final area outside of the students of Baldessian headquarters. Basically, yeah, Entry we... is normally permitted to students by teleportation, but after all conditions are making it dangerous. Yeah, Cross, you don't want to teleport in that shit. The back door. Yeah. No, Chili. Well, she oh does my... say she wants to use the back door. No. You're I'm both... sure Jika wants oh. to use the back door. Is that how he's going to smash that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we've broken. I'm Sarah. on a list now. I'm on some kind of list. <sighs> I was probably already on some kind of list. Yep. So basically, Hydatos uh, is um, on the the rear of the um, 
the headquarters. So normally, like I said, they once when uh, the Aetherite is or the Aethernet is fully functional, uh, students with access are able to teleport in and out uh, with ease in, in inside of the building. Um, but they did create this uh, other way in that utilizes uh, something called an Aether Bridge. They do specifically mention that this is uh, something in case they do have visitors who lack the ability to teleport. Yes. Yeah, which is not uh, quite a lot of few people. I thought it was rare that people could teleport. In general, yes, but do keep in mind that the Isle of Val is being mostly used by the students of Valdezion. So you're going to have sure. people with a lot more ethereal aptitude among them. Yes. Um, so it, it's at this point that uh, the expedition scholar um, comes in and fills us in on a detail that she found while searching uh, uh, through the different legends of Eureka. Um, discovered that this primal forges weapons to put in the hands of mortals. And that exposure to these weapons put the wielder in peril. Similar to a story of a, uh, a current elder primal wandering the shroud named Odin? That resemblance Odin? of Zantatsukin may be less of a coincidence than we thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and this, this uh, person actually appeared during the age of the Allegan Empire. Yeah. I thought the uh, thing with Odin was the fact that the reason why he doesn't need people believing him is the fact that it's the sword itself that's Correct. the problem. They believe yeah. that Eureka forged Zantensuken and gave it to him, thus creating yeah, the primal. It may not be quite correct to say that the blade itself is a primal either. Uh, this is something that's getting to weird definitional stuff in terms of being tossed back and mm -hmm. forth. But people have always thought of Odin as a primal because they see it behaving by these rules and they see this uh, thing that appears to disappear and be resummoned over and over. But because of this mm -hmm. legend, that's what gave rise to the idea of a forbidden land beneath the Crystal Tower. Um, because mm -hmm. they took and hid, um, hid it below there once uh, um, it was deemed to be too powerful. Something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. Um, and the avatar of Eureka doesn't seem to match the formula for other primals. It's much more calculated. Uh, one thing that I like, uh, that I think Anonymous discussed in a, a something or another, was this idea that's like, okay, suppose you are going to have some type of primal-like thing created by people from a more scientific age, from their belief. Yeah. So you tell us, like, okay, what's this thing that can produce whatever you want? It's like the blacksmith of the gods. And they're like, blacksmith of the gods? That's a story for Savage. But I guess something like that would be like, it'd be like a fabrication. But like a really good fabrication note. That could make anything. It'd be something that they want. It's like the um, Philosopher's Stone in a way. Yeah. But sort of... Turn it stuff into gold. What would the belief be of people who lived in an era where there was not as much call for a belief in traditional God? Okay. It was a fun idea. I don't know that there's necessarily any specific support for or against it, but it was kind of a fun person. Yeah. Uh, so once we learn all this information, we now set out to uh, work on repairing these towers to open the gates for, for the Aether Bridge. For open the gates! Even just watching that sequence, this just felt like a bit of fetch questy type thing. Okay, yep. get some levels, go to this place, 
at a thing, come yeah. back. Woo, you got one open. Repeat this part three of the times. story really was just fetch quest. Yeah. I well, feel I lucky to have kind of skipped over it in the space of about five minutes. But guys, throw open wide the gates. No. <laughs> so basically, do we... I need to find Anders' uh, fan theory about that? I will find it. We will get delisted so fast if I read that one out loud. Believe. All right. So basically, we're able well, to. I'll save that, that for Phoenix. A... I'll save that okay. for Phoenix down after dark. I was just making a joke about the Stormbringers. I'm aware. Okay, good. You don't need to. Bring naughty fan fiction into it until later. Okay. Yeah, Phoenix down after dark. Privately look to. In, in the in the in the uh, the after dark channel. <laughs> um, so basically, <sighs> we're, we're able to uh, uh, repair these towers by uh, infusing them with pooled aether concentrations uh, and deploying regulators to restore the flow. Yeah, it just felt like. I mean, it was kind of interesting, and, we, and the fact that Kral was out there helping was nice. Yeah. Um, so once we fix them and we gain entry, uh, we ent encounter a strange cube that is Eureka. Damn you, Pierre Molyneux! And it's locked behind a barrier. Yeah, now, it's totally like a Star Trek rep yeah. or something. <laughs> it's, it's a Borg cube. Yeah, <laughs> I believe it. This is canon now. It will assimilate. I get to just declare things canon, you know? It's awesome. <laughs> See, um, I was also thinking of that stupid Peter Molecule game. Yeah, we, that was on the phones at one point, and, and whoever got to the middle was the winner. Can't I'm say not that that. I don't remember. Oh, it was a huge, like, a weird, like... Yeah. Anyway. No. Um, we need to lower the barrier in order to repair the world. Um... And we need to be careful because Ajika needs it lowered to be able to free uh, Eureka from its confines. Um, yeah, trying to do what we need to do without yeah. accidentally leaving ourselves open for our new primal co-conspirator. A little yeah. bit tricky. Yep. Yeah. So basically, um, we, we go through their library there. And uh, this is where all the good information from this part of it comes. Um, so we, we read through the research, and we discover that Eureka was initially imprisoned by a champion of Hydaelyn. They discovered this by actually um, gathering the information from the avatar of Eureka. Which, a lot of the comments that uh, Eureka had made when it first met us about being the one who abides in light and all that, take on a little bit more of a sinister thing. It recognizes us as similar to the thing that sealed it away the first time. Correct. And its weird behavior suggests possible Asian involvement at this point. Asians involved in my story? Poppycock. Um, a weapon forged by the icon takes control of the wielder by usurping its aether, eventually taking full control of it and, and allowing it to act autonomously to fulfill the weapon's wish. Which, to be clear, it's not something that... The weapon itself is forged in response to uh what the uh what's so like someone well, asks masters uh, right. wishes are correct yeah, yeah it's someone basically asks a, it's basically a monkey's paw you For get anybody. what you want but at the end you did uh, it gives you, you exactly what it was you were asking for it's not yeah. its fault that you don't actually think carefully about what you're asking for and what its consequences would be and yeah we learn that five such arms like this have been sealed away 
And there's some unknown number potentially out there in the world as well. Yes. Future um, relic weapons. Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I guess us wielding them would be less bad because we're immune to those temptations, but... Yeah. Are we? I think they actually make reference to that at some point. The yeah. fact that we can't be tempered yeah. by primals. But is it a permanent yeah. thing? I mean, if we're, like, in its presence for an extended period of time, could it eventually wear out down? Well, that's to say, if it's a future relic weapon and we've already sealed away the threat, technically the weapons might not have any... But have we really? Anyway, eh. moving on. That's why I said a future relic weapon. So we, I don't think they would, but it's an amusing idea. Yeah. So yeah. we dig through some other uh, books and we find a note written by Galuf, uh telling us that Eureka can create not just weapons, but any and all things. Which sounds really great until you start doing that thing we were discussing earlier and start thinking through what that actually means. Like perhaps a replacement mother crystal yeah or, or a bacon it, like, sandwich well a bacon sandwich but what if you said i want all the bacon <laughs> that was, uh, and then eureka consumes every single bit of ether in the world to produce more and more bacon or a mother <laughs> crystal, or whatever uh yes. for something slightly less say some uh, greedy person who wants more and more gold yeah Yep, it it would put cause a uh, a damage on the same scale as any calamity and potentially worse. Yeah. Um, they also it is a machine that does, it is a machine that does not have its failsafe that does not have its uh, limiters on, and it will uh, do what it's told to, even if this means it's destroying everything in the process. And Asians eventually found the location, and uh, they evacuated the island and then drown the entire isle in the life stream. They basically teleported it into the life stream once they got people off of it. If, as, if, as, once they tried to get people off of it, I guess. Yeah. You know shit goes down when the Asians go, no, we don't want any of this. <laughs> yeah, it's, un it's unclear what exactly is meant by drown the island in the life stream. There's a couple possible interpretations, and this is something we'll get into a little bit later. But a lot of this is stuff where there's lots of interesting potential compliments. Yeah. Now, once the, they were in the live stream, they worked together to defeat the Asian Emeralulf. Is that how that's pronounced? I, I don't know. I've, we've discussed this so many times, and I'm still not sure how to pronounce it. We'll, 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 we'll call him uh, Rafflecopter. Rafflelof. Um Yeah, sure. Fine by me. And uh, once he was defeated, his essence was scattered throughout the, the the torrents of Aether, never to be rejoined again. Or so they hope. Which is a great way to kill an Asian. Yeah, if because if if Aether is all spread yeah. out, I mean, it it worked for uh, um, taking out. Uh, um, Nabrialis. No, I was yeah. just, what was that anime we watched? Chili. Helsing. Helsing, yeah. Yeah, it, it basically similar type of thing where to kill, take out Helsing. Yeah. Well, he came back. Oh, no, not, he, not so. Helsing, but uh, the uh, um, um, Schrodinger's cat thingy. Oh, yeah, the Schrodinger. Yes. So anyway, <laughs> uh, Galif does wrap up the note by, in writing it, he muses that he expects that, given that the island has uh, been cast into the live stream, that pretty much that's the end of it. This is gone. But if someone is reading the note, then that means it's come back to the world. And, and in that case, 
And he specifically asks you to go and let the science, whoever finds this note, go find the science of the seventh dawn. And bid them to uh, um, seal Eureka away and guard it against those who would use it for ill. Like uh. me. Yes, like Chili, because he wants all the bacon now. Thanks, Look, Sarah, I would use idea. it to make sure that make primal, yeah, the lava scorpion a real primal. And it, he makes such a big lava scorpion that it would consume all the aether in the world. It would then, become the new lava crystal. We'd have a new lava scorpion. As the it wouldn't be crystal. a mother crystal. It would be a lava crystal. Yeah, I mean, I feel like you still end up with a calamity out of this one way or another. But Chili has a giant lava crystal scorpion to ride. Yeah. Hooray, question mark? <laughs> <laughs> I can ride it through the void. All right. So then we talk with Kryl, and she found a tome with info on uh, the ward and how to deactivate the restraint, uh, which also explains how Eureka's avatar is meant um, the Avatar is the means to manipulate Aether for Eureka and forge the weapons. Yeah, so. I like to think of it as that big rotating cube thing. That's kind of like a mainframe or something. That's like the main yeah. body of it. But then you have this cloaked thing that's kind of like the interface. You don't uh, operate the forge by uh, talking directly to the mainframe. You talk on like the computer terminal and you give it the instructions and it communicates back and forth. Yep, and it can be recreated any time as long as Eureka itself still exists. But it will disappear if uh, we sever the etheric connection, such as restoring the ward and sealing Eureka away again. Um, it's at that point Kryl starts recounting her memories from the evacuation, um, how she had tried to teleport away when she was told to, but uh, um, um, a massive surge of ether blocked it. And as she was trying to reach Port Surgate, she was swept up in the life stream. Um, it's, and then it's, it was at that point that she was saved by the Mother Crystal and uh, saddened by the fact that uh, she was the only one who was saved. Yeah, it's an interesting uh, counterpoint to uh, the comments that we had gotten from Ejika uh, earlier, who had been expressed so much envy of this. And for her, it's like, okay, yes, I got this, but kind of a survivor's guilt situation going. Mm -hmm. It's clear to see that she uh, she at least feels a lot more conflicted and wonders how much of a blessing it is. So, And now at yeah. this point, um, we now go and deactivate the restraint and, of course, are now surrounded by Ejika and Eureka's avatar. And mm -hmm. we think that we're in trouble. Yeah, he's got that sword raised. He's ready to strike. Yeah. Instead, he says, This has been my plan all along. Here, Warrior of Light, catch the sword and kill it. So we Wait. do. I want to link, link that Nicolas Cage so much right now. You have no idea. <laughs> I took so many pictures of me holding that sword because it looks stupid with my character. It was just so big. But yeah, we take the sword. We kill Eureka's avatar. And uh, yeah. Happy ending? Maybe? Not quite yet. Or was it? Da -da -da -da. It's at this point, um, you know, Kryl's about to go, uh, you know, repair the ward and reseal Eureka, but Ejika wants to do something else. Ejika wants to do what Galif was going to do, and that's destroy it. But through all of these yeah. different echo scenes that we watched, we realized, and they realized, that if they were to actually do that, it would not only take, uh, you know, 
take out uh, Eureka potentially, but it would also kill them because yep. the yep. Aether that it uses is not only its own, but its master's. And so any attempt to destroy Eureka by uh, having to consume its ether is also going to drain the life out of whoever is commanding it. Correct. Yeah. And uh, the reason they didn't do it at the time is because there was so much ether stored up within Eureka that it would have killed them long before it had uh, gone and died. So it would not have yeah. worked. So they sealed it away in hopes that they would be able to come up with a different plan. But because... Eureka expended so much energy, you know, bringing the Isle back out of the life stream. It's, uh, Ijika believes that it's weakened enough to where he has more than enough etheric energy to uh, take it out without any issues. But Kryle doesn't want to see Ajika commit suicide for the sake of this. Because... Yeah, she's prepared to do it herself. Yeah. Well, she wants to try and find a, a better way where she's not going to lose another survivor of, you know, the, the students of Baldessian. Right. But he, uh, she also makes a comment that even then, if it's something that's even under consideration, that she would uh, prefer to do it herself rather than have him do it. That's true. Which again comes back a little bit to that, hey, the thing where they did have a, some kind of relationship going on. But They, like, but cared for each other more than they thought. Because yeah. of the fact that she had the echo. Yes, yep. the Echo, it will not actually take her orders because she serves the light um, with yep. the Echo, whereas Ajika does not have the same such blessing, therefore would have the opportunity to do so. Yep, that whole process of like the tempering, the usurping, all that, that's the thing that actually allows Eureka to recognize someone as its master follow its order. So, so sorry, Chili, as the Warrior of Light, you can't have it making bacon scorpions. Oh. You can ask somebody to make a bake, make make a bacon scorpion. Oh, I'm sad. But yeah, you yeah. can't do it yourself. Let's kill it. <laughs> well, then, now it's, if I can't get bacon scorpions out of it, it belongs dead. <laughs> so now at this point, Squeenix has done something that they haven't done in the game up to this point. They actually give us a choice that matters. Yes. Well, they say that we 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 can only see one side of the story. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of that, in terms of uh, being able to see, you only get the one side of the story. That is actually a choice that matters, even if mechanically it's not going to happen. That. Correct. They do so, go out yeah. of their way to let you know that mechanically you'll still be able to uh, finish out the story. You can still get all the various rewards, all that other stuff. This yeah. is something that just matters for the story. But given the people who play this game, that still matters mm -hmm. a lot. So, you, you're given the choice to either go with Kral's plan and... Uh, repair the ward and seal it back up and try and figure out what's going on after that? Or do we take Ajika's plan and let him uh, kill it and himself, potentially? Yeah, it's a hard choice. Do you sacrifice someone? Do you have uh, someone that we uh, who did a lot for us, who went through this entire plan to give us this opportunity, do we let him die? Or do we seal it up and hope that we haven't just tossed away our one opportunity to kill him? Like the point, one of the points that Jika makes, yeah. the where we what took to get here was really hard. There, there's no guarantee that we're going to have this opportunity to strike down Eureka again. This may be the one best shot we have to actually destroy it once and for all, or do we just seal it up and hope that we can figure it out uh, before sometime in the future when the containment ends up failing again? Now, here's the question: Do we want to go ahead and spoil the the uh, the choices? 
I don't know. I because I I'm did go through and I got I, I I went through the one, but I looked up the others. I the other watched. Information. Yeah, I watched yeah. both of them because I was curious. It's interesting to see some stuff for how they did for how it works out. But I'm what part I part of me does kind of want to leave that to the choice of the of the yeah. listeners when they do go through. Yeah. So I think we'll leave it for now. I mean, we we may t- we may come back and talk about it at a later date. Um, but one thing that I will say is Yoshida says that technically this is the end of the story. Yeah. However, I am going to say this. If you want the full story, you need to clear BA. Yep. yep. There is, uh, once you finish BA, there is a second uh, set of things that actually depends a bit on what you chose the first time around. Like the scenes actually do change up a bit. Correct. That gives a... Which is cool. It gives a more complete resolution. Correct. And now that I, I had, because I, I didn't know if I wanted to spoil this or not ahead of time, I researched both of them because I have not yet fully cleared BA. I've gotten to Ozma, but I haven't cleared it yet. Um, I know what happens now, and, and it, it, it certainly is a thing that happens in the storyline. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, and that actually is one of the points. Whatever means you use to uh, take care of and resolve the situation with Eureka... There's still the matter of all the different weapons that it created. They have the five that are sealed up in the Baldessian arsenal. That e- even sealed away, these are dangerous uh, artifacts that uh, could usurp the uh, wills of their wielders, come out into the world. Do we want another set of Zantetsukins out there? Yes. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. You people are not allowed to decide anything anymore. Two to one, we win. That's... I don't know that that's how this should work. All right. So that was the storyline. Two to one, we decided that's how it's worked. Anyways. That's the storyline of Eureka. For those of you who have maybe not had a full chance yet to get through all of it. um, We hope that... uh, I know a lot of you who watched my progress through it, you've seen a lot of this story as well. Um, You know, when when you... compact it down it's actually not a terrible story there's a lot of yeah. busy work to get through it like the first three zones there's a lot of the same stuff you're doing but you get some bits of really good information and you get a lot of it once you hit the uh, the hq i do wonder like how if it was something that suffered a little bit from being spread out in drips and drops like that as i said i had a bit of an easier time watching it all in one go yeah uh but for something where you have all the stuff you need to do in between each little one. And some of the sections seemed like you didn't do all that much before, or get to see all that much before you were forced to go back to the ground. So I think I enjoyed it a little more than I would have been. I got to experience it that way. I'm not sure if the in-game experience would have been as good. I don't know. I would probably agree that the in-game experience probably wasn't great for a lot of people. But like I said, revisiting it made it seem a little bit better. I mean, it's definitely something, if, if you enjoyed uh, the old school grinds of um, older uh, MMOs, or just like the references to Final Fantasy XI and Final Fantasy V within Eureka, and then the throwbacks to three a little bit with the name, check it out. If you, ha- if you have the time, maybe they'll nerf it down the road so you can make it a little easier to get through. I don't know now, really. I would, ex- we'll I would have thought it by now, but don't, I don't know. Well, I mean, it's still something where you can get those uh, relic weapons, so maybe something where they want to hold off a little bit on that. Yeah. Kind of, like, Eureka yeah. is effectively the relic weapon grind for uh, Stormblood. It is. 
It absolutely is. Plus, there's a lot of there's other stuff in there. But there's you know some mounts. There's some. Uh, just nerf armor. Pagos and everything will be fine. A lot of people have said. Well, actually, if they just put in a level sync, it'll, it'll that open too. It up. But just just lower the crystal amount in yeah. Pagos. Nerf just nerf the numbers in general. Allow people to level sync to other people that are getting through it, and it's going to be much easier to get them through. Yeah, there are some uh, different proposals so, uh, suggested for it. Yeah. Anyway, I don't actually know what would be good. So, we've gotten the story. Now, how, do, how does all of this fit within the lore of Heidelin? Huh. So, yeah, a couple things to cover. First off, uh, since uh, you did reference it, I want to mention all the callbacks we have to other Final Fantasy titles. So, the Forbidden Land Eureka appears in Final Fantasy III as an optional dungeon. Uh, there, it is actually located at the base of the Crystal Tower. And I wanted to note, just because I was amused by it, uh, that bit where they talk about how uh, one of the other students was uh -huh. theorizing... Yeah, they talk about... Carl uh, talks about one of her fellow students, Raha. Which, for those who pay attention to Mikote naming conventions, that would be our good friend, Garaha Tia, who... Seems to have always been a bit interested in the Crystal Tower. Uh, but also, his... sorry, one thing. Go for um, it. If you remember back in the Crystal Tower saga, we had that Aethermeter to just yeah. To, that's how we found all the uh, yeah the the void and stuff yeah the, the top uh, yeah like the fact that there was monsters up there. Uh, but during the last cutscene, you actually drop they they drop it and it starts beating. Uh, Nero throws the it in. Yeah. As it's falling off the screen into the darkness, to, it starts beeping like it was like a teaser to you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, from what I know, that was more, hey, they want to leave this as a thing for a potential future stuff, but there is not actually a specific plan for what it was reacting to. Yeah, there was like. There's uh, a lot of stuff. There's a lot of stuff where the lore and story teams will leave like little bits of things to be like, okay, if we ever want to develop further, here's something we can use and we can figure out what's going on with. And I'll talk a little bit more about that. There's obviously other... Lava Bacon Scorpion. Huh. Now, Final Fantasy III's Forbidden Land Eureka was filled with powerful arms, armor, and materiel that consi was considered too powerful for humans to wield. And the most powerful items required the player to defeat various guardian bosses in order to prove themselves worthy. So we've again got a little bit of a parallel to what's going on here, both with the weapons that we have to undergo these various trials uh, to forge, including getting those uh, drops from the various most powerful monsters, as well as the items in the Baldesian arsenal, also sealed away, considered too powerful and too dangerous. Uh, now, the Isle of Val itself, is a uh, you've got a lot of callbacks to depending on your translation either the castle of Val or Val Castle, uh, depending on your translation from Final Fantasy V. So Galathalm Baldesian is the king of that castle found in Final Fantasy V's second world, and as one of the four warriors of the dawn, he travels to the first world in response to the threat posed by the return of the warlock Exdeath. A lot of locations on FF14's Isle of Val refer to the Four Warriors of Dawn. Uh, those were also recreated in 14 as those four young men that we see in Echo flashbacks throughout the Eureka story. Uh, the one, the Aura, is uh, 
Zazat Sergate, uh, who ports Sergate, where we first arrive in Animos's name for, as well as a later location, the Sergate Townhouse on one of the maps. Uh, Dorgan Klauser, that would be the one who is here wearing uh, what looks like Furion's outfit, which Dorgan's outfit in FF5 looks fairly similar to. Uh, Klauser's piece and Klauser's how are uh, references to him as well. And in the Final Fantasy V story, he is Bart's father. Uh, Kelger Vlondet, that would be the uh, one who is the Lupin, a uh, wolfman type in Final Fantasy V. Uh, Vlondet's retreat is a callback to him. And then the last one, of course, being Galif Baldesion, who we do have identified by name. So yeah, we've got a mixture of uh, Final Fantasy III and Final Fantasy V references in there. A lot of those fun callbacks, which, given that we'd already established uh, the Isle of Val, the students of Valdezian, uh, ended up being a fun little way to tie that in. But the big thing, the thing that's the biggest problem and clusterfuck about this, is how all of this fits in on the timeline, <laughs> on what we know has happened... This is something that, again, we discuss a fair bit on the Loremonger server. Anonymous has uh, made uh, extensive posts about this on the official forums, and we've discussed it in a lot of other spots. But in terms of the lore, Eureka is a tangled mess that contradicts what we know. And it's not the usual, oh, hey, perhaps we misunderstood how ether works, or oh, perhaps primals are summoned in a different way than we thought. This is like outright contradictions. So, follow along with me. Patch 2.1. We lose contact with the Isle of Val. Uh, Minfilia had been in contact with it and the other, the Science of the Seventh Dawn, since a lot of them were part Archons from Charlene, part of the Circle of Knowing, they had been in contact with this other Charlene institution. But end of Patch 2.1, we lose contact with them. In Patch 2.2, the Isle of Val is confirmed to be completely gone, wiped from the map. Uh, this is something where we have confirmation that it is just gone. Uh, at the time, it was in, seemed to be implied that this might have been attacked with something similar to Ultima, some type of huge magical whatever, uh, and implied that Asians were involved somehow. But we didn't know a lot of the details, just that these allies of ours had been taken out and that we are in danger ourselves. Now that we know that it has been teleported, uh, it's unclear whether the entire island was removed physically into the ethereal sea, kind of like when we were at the anti-tower and there was that whole ethereal sea below us, if it was just dropped physically into there, or whether it was reduced to ether like a typical teleport would have been. Uh... There seems to be some vague hinting that's a little bit closer to the former, where the entire island was brought physically into the Ethereal Sea. But whatever it is, at this point, Emeraldoth is taking his one-way trip to Oblivion, being buffeted by the sheer power of all that ether there. This is at the end of 2. Point, uh, or at some point in 2.2. In 2.3, we have a cutaway where we watch a meeting of the Axians, Emeraldoth has a spoken line during this and it appears to be the case that all of the Asians are present. There are 14 chairs there, all of them are occupied. It's possible that we have some kind of hand wave explanation going on, like the fact that, oh hey, there's now multiple Asians for the source, that Emmett Sulk had turned out to be one of them. So it's possible there's some kind of hand wave for this, but it's, a lot of them just feel awkward and after the fact. 
They're all Xehanort. Well, there was uh. also discussion that these names are not actually their, the names of the Asians, but they're their titles. Right, that's one that's been suggested. And so, as I said, with these... It's possible that that's what's going on. It's dissatisfying for some reasons, but you could at least maybe hand wave it away like that. But then um, we would have a, I mean, was there another La Habria there? There Boy, has not been another La Habria so far as well. There has only been one Lala bread. Uh, and yes, there's a La Habria does seem to uh, be gone. And it's like, okay, if that's the case, like, why haven't they replaced them? But we co we're coming to an even bigger problem. Because in patch 2.5, we, uh, we get attacked by Nabrialis. We go to Chrysalis, and we fight him and defeat him. When we come back, Moonbrita sacrifices her life to permanently destroy him, dispersing his ether. And the other Asians react to this with alarm. They seem shocked at the idea that they could somehow be permanently destroyed. And the reaction seems to indicate that a destruction of an Asian of their rank was impossible. Not something they ever thought was possible for now. But according to the timeline that Eureka has just given us, three patches earlier, Emerald got destroyed in the Ethereal Sea. Also, good job on Gala for figuring out how to do that, but... Does that kind of cheapen Moonbrita's sacrifice in terms of her being the one to figure this out and do this really heroic thing? Like, in retrospect, does that cheapen it? It leaves me with a bad taste in my mouth, and... Well, it, you gotta remember, uh, the, uh, the only way I think that it might work is the fact that if it was done but in the live stream, maybe the Asians just didn't know how he died. But they would have known that he was gone. Like, he's not responding to texts or whatever the equivalent is. <laughs> well, the thing is, uh, the whole live stream disappeared, so... Sure, but I mean... I the mean, live the stream yeah, didn't disappear. The, just well, the, the live stream, but the whole island disappeared. But they, however it is that they remain in contact, follow-up... Like, if the island has disappeared, and they can't get a hold of Emerald Wolf, if he's not reporting in, if however they usually keep in contact with each other isn't working, like, they're going to have a glimmering that something's gone wrong. Yeah, but at the same time, they might have not. Exp yeah, they, as much as they knew he died, he might they might have known he died somehow, but they but just that, didn't like, expect mortals to work out how to do. It. Eh, like if you go back and look at the lines, they seem genuinely surprised that they can die. Not that mortals can work it out, but that they can die. Okay. Like, and no, as a pl uh, player, and like knowing a lot of stuff. We know a bit about the design test. Eureka was created as a, hey, we want to have this thing, this like area to explore, uh, this reference to the classic Final Fantasy III thing. And the Isle of Val of disappearing and becoming part of that was not what was originally intended. It was more it's like, oh, hey, we have this loose end, this thing that we uh, didn't do anything with, that we didn't have these details about. We could totally work it in there. It was a decision that was made to throw it in after the fact, rather than something that was planned all along. That is the nature of a lot of the design stuff here. They go for it based on rule of cool and what would be kind of neat and interesting. And most of the time, if you're leaving enough stuff undefined, you can uh, fill in details, uh, hand wave some stuff, or change other elements afterwards to make it so it all works out. And this is one of the instances where it just doesn't unless you go back and outright change 
some yeah. of the stuff. You in need some retconning here. Yep. I'll, we often use the term of additive or subtractive retcons. Additive ones are ones where like we add more to our understanding. And those are ones that players are more willing to accept. If we're like, oh, we add in, we add, when with Tsukuyomi is summoned from this artifact. It's like, we're adding in that's like, yes, primal circuits away, but they can also work like this. And there's more depth and interesting stuff. A subtractive recon is something where you're taking stuff out, where you're changing things, where you're deleting information that we had. You're not adding to our knowledge. You're deleting uh, facts that we have. Yeah. And those are way less satisfying. They feel way more cheap. And I don't know if they have a satisfying way out of this that doesn't require, that doesn't involve a subtractive retcon. Usually, like, they are pretty good. I feel like they've just gotten painted into a corner on this one. And it sucks a little bit seeing how good they have been on the other things, but we don't just have unexplained stuff. We have what appear to be direct contradictions. Nobody paints Sarah into a corner. <sighs> So, yeah. Like, there was definitely some stuff about Eureka that feels a little bit like, let's get all the cool, fun toys out of the toy chest and play with them. And for a game, that's fun. Like, you can have this epic, exciting stuff. But in terms of trying to make it into a cohesive thing that feels like a real world, you lose a little bit of that. And that's a little bit disappointing. Well, it is what it is, but... Um... Oh, it is. And I can still be a little disappointed. About it. Oh, yeah. I, I un- <laughs> And I absolutely understand. But like I said, yeah. you know, it was still, I think overall, I think it was, it was a fun addition. Oh yeah. Agreed. And like I said, it, things may not fully line up. I'm sure they'll come up with a way to make it work somehow. Oh well, yeah. They'll, or they may just they'll rename, it off. they'll rename Emma to one of the other uh, Asians instead. But I mean, if they do do that, then that's again, you've got like a retcon where you're actually yep. changing. Stuff. Yeah. So that's less satisfying. Yeah. The yeah. other thing is that I was thinking, okay, well, maybe it turns out that it's like, oh, this is just a thing where it gets contained to this. And then I'm thinking about Crystal Tower and that how that felt like its own self-contained thing. It's like, okay, we've sealed Grahatia in the thing and he's going to go to sleep. And that's the end of that story. And now all of a sudden he's back. Or is he? I mean, it ha- there is very strong reason to believe that, yes, it's him. Uh, I'm not going to go into a lot of specifics on that, but I would put money on it. Like, I would actually willingly put money on it at this point. Did I tell you my theory on what's going to happen, what I feel like the Crystal Tower is doing on the first? Hmm, there have been some flying around. I'd love to hear your uh, guesses on that. I'm not exactly, my theory isn't how it was made, but what it's being used for. Okay. I feel like um, the reason why most of the towns and the cities are being built around the Crystal Tower mm-hmm. is that someone has reprogrammed it to absorb the light, so that's slowing down the progression of how far the light is pushing in. Hmm. Or it's not being able to absorb all of it because you know of how much has been generated, but it's it's keeping the some civilization safe by using it as a you know. As right. a generator. It doesn't even have to necessarily be an intentional thing. It could just be a natural property of it. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas the one on the on the source was, you know, a giant uh, control tower for a, a floating um, planet, basically. Well, no, it was a uh, control uh, tower uh, and receiving uh, tower. Yeah, for, for an energy yeah. moon. Whereas this is now, actually, it has the energy properties of its own. It's absorbing from the, the uh, atmosphere. 
Yeah, from the light to try, which is what's slowing it down from being pushed too far. Yeah, it's still moving forward. It is interesting that it seems like, okay, the encroaching light, it's kind of like, this is the last space it's advancing on. Like, it's been uh, Mordona uh, Mordona or Lakeland or whatever you want to call it, is kind of this really central point, really rich in ether. This spot that's kind of important. Especially it's called, the lake is called the source as well. Yeah, that, oh god, that's going to be another thing where it's like, okay, I understand why the people in the world would call that, but it's like the void. Where it's like, oh my god, everyone's yeah. using this term to refer to different things, and there's going to be so much confusion. But yeah, that's my theory on the Crystal Tower. Yeah. I will add it to the pile. There's a pile. Alright, was there anything else you wanted to add, Sarah? Oh, nothing that I can think of at the moment, though, as always, if people have questions, follow up, stuff like that. As a side note for the next lore segment, I would actually like to go back and look a bit more at the Crystal Tower. Again, given that we're coming up to Shadowbringers, I feel like it'll be useful to do some more review sessions. But if there's other topics that people would like to know more about, especially if people have review session ideas that they were going to be useful for them coming up to Shadowbringers, definitely... Uh, and contact us up through a number of means that I'm sure Klaus will detail. I always like to hear back what, uh, what you're getting out of it and what you want to know. Probably the easiest one is going to be our Discord server. Um, we actually have a, a Lorebrarian's channel that you can uh, use to check that out. So I put a link to the Discord channel in the, uh, the Twitch chat for you guys. No question is too ridiculous. Unless they're too ridiculous. Okay, yeah, but besides those. Those ones I will answer. <laughs> no, you will oh, ask most of those. All the answers will be Lava Scorpion. <laughs> it's probably canon, featuring Chili. It might be canon. Or, or shot from a cannon. Shot from a cannon, and you're too plain. Anyway. You give lore a bad name. Bad name, bad name. Oh, I feel proud of that. So we got a new iTunes review from our hey. good friend, Kane Thorbreaker. He says, I love these guys. Klaus is an amazing guy. Just met him at Anime Detour. Fantastic human being. Luna, we love you. You're great. We missed you all these months. It's not the same without you. Sarah, your lore segments are what hooked me, and your fabulous banter with Klaus is love. Chili... What can I say about Chili except get some sleep, man? I mean, how Seriously, many podcasts does this man do? Five, ten, fifty? Sleep, man, sleep. But really average love, four. But really love you and the work you do since the beginning. Ten out of ten would listen again. Yay! So thank Phoenix you. Town Radio endorses getting regular sleep. <laughs> also, Phoenix Town Radio endorses leaving a, a, a rating or review out on uh, the uh, the various podcatchers so we can read them on the air. We will use our words to say your words. Yes, exactly. Chili, just how much sleep have you had? Because I feel like you thought that was profound, but it it was <laughs> a thing. For Chili, that is profound. I'd go with about four hours. It is profoundly chilly. Well, then, I think that's going to do it for this episode, guys. If you liked what you heard, as I said earlier, please make sure to like, subscribe, or follow us out on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or this new one I found called PodCoin, where you can actually earn currency 
listening to podcasts. That's and crazy. for the next week, oh my gosh, is this like a cryptocurrency? No, now? it's not. It, it you can you, okay. you, you use it, you gain them, and then you can turn them in for like uh, gift cards and stuff like that. Okay, um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, so this is going to be useful. Yeah, and for right now, actually, Phoenix on Radio is one of the uh, um, highlighted uh, podcasts, so you can actually earn one point five times the currency by listening to us. Neat. That's cool. So you go out to podcoin.com and you can download it for uh, Apple and uh, Android devices. Podcoin.com. Something like that. Um, and if possible, leave us a rating or a review. Uh, it definitely helps other people find us and lets us know what we're doing right. So we appreciate that, guys. Thank you. Um, and if you really dig the show, you can consider becoming a patron like our friend Aurori Fenrir out at our Patreon page. That's patreon.com slash phoenixdownradio. Or you can help us hit our goal of 50 sub points here on Twitch by subscribing to us uh, with either your hard-earned money or your free Twitch Prime subscription. Um, any type of support like that helps us to grow the show, helps us do these uh, really cool giveaways, and have a lot of fun with the show. Um, but whatever kind of support you give us, whether it's likes, retweets, follows, all that stuff, that's what we really appreciate because we just love working with you guys. We love hearing what you guys have to say, and we love interacting with you in general. So, um, If you want to uh, check out our uh, all of our podcasts, including our backlog, and a few articles as well, you can uh, check out our website, phoenixdownradio.com. Uh, if you have questions or want to submit a uh, something for an upcoming lore segment, you can email it to us, podcast at phoenixdownradio.com. Um, and we are out on Twitter at PHXDN Radio. So let's do some shout-outs. Who wants to start? I think Sarah should go first. All right. Uh, shout-out to... Uh, who else? I haven't been in game as... Uh, shout-out to my friend Richard, who invited me over to help weed his bookcase in anticipation of his move. Turned out to be a really fun time, and he took me out to a Greek restaurant for lunch after, which was great. What'd you get? Uh... Huh? What'd you get? Oh, uh, so I got a salmon pita, and we also got an appetizer of, like, a thing of four different dips with pita bread. Uh, there was this one that was based on Kalamata, Kalamata olives that was just incredible. Cool. Did you get any cool mm -hmm. books out of it, too? Um, yeah, actually, a couple. A few C.S. Lewis pieces I've been meaning to read, something on the history of California, uh, and a couple random, uh, sci-fi novels. Neat. Oh, and that one on the history of tea. I'm looking. Uh, a shout out to the good people at the Crucible, uh, who endure a lot of shit posting from and respond in kind. Uh, shout out to my co-hosts, uh, Klaus, Chili. You're both great. Shout out to all of our uh, past uh, co-hosts as well. Uh, and to all the people listening, the ones who are always asking those questions, making me think. Uh, and just sharing in the fun with us. You make it all worthwhile. I love you. In, like, whatever sense you want. Not that, Kane. <laughs> you just know Kane's going to take that somewhere bad. And how can they get a hold of you? Uh, so, you, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at F-F-X-I-V-S-E-Y-R-R. -R. Uh, I mostly post random cool stuff that I was cooking with my friends or interesting things I found at the library. Uh, ostensibly, there's a way for them to email me through Phoenix Down Radio, but I never wrote. I believe it's just uh, Sarah at phoenixdownradio.com. 
Or oh, it, yes. Sarah at phoenixdownradio.com. That sounds plausible. It might be FFXIV underscore Sarah. I'll have to double check that. Yeah, we should probably find it I know it I out. sent it to you, so. Yeah. Like, you could tell how often I use it. Yeah. Or you can just at me on our Discord channel. I uh, monitor that a fair bit. I respond to lots and lots of stuff there. Excellent. Chili. Hello. Um, you can uh, shout out to Motion Radio. Go check them out. Twitch.tv says Motion Radio. Also, go check out MotionRadio.com. A shout out to She Hills I Tank. Uh, Twitch.tv says She Hills I Tank. They're taking a break next week because they're going on vacation. How dare uh, they? So, I hey, they deserve it. They're, I demand content on a, on a regular basis. And, and, and ships uh, have Wi-Fi. Fine, but enjoy your romantic cruise. You deserve I'm, I'm, it. Um, I'm kidding. You absolutely do deserve it. Enjoy your time. Also, well, you know, they had me on a week ago, so they need the break. Um, so that's why also we go only check... go every other week. Yeah. <laughs> also, go check out Mooga Go Around Radio, where we talk about things. We've got Taru TV on next week as a special guest. Uh, he talks about um, PvP a lot in his YouTube channel, so... What's that? Go check it out. Yeah. So, yeah, go check out his PvP content. Uh, Dynamic Taru on, uh, tw- uh, on Twitter. Um, so, uh, you can find me at MGR underscore Chili on Twitter. Uh, at PSU.com. I, I talk a lot. And I recently broke 1,700 followers. Yay. 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 Should tell Thanks, some your, Should tell some of your followers to come follow me. <laughs> at at uh, uh, PHXDN underscore K-L-A-U-S-S. And shout outs to uh, you guys for being amazing. Sarah for putting in a lot of work today to get through all of that uh, um, Eureka content. Hope you had a fun yeah, time with it. It was fun. The only thing, I wish I had started earlier just because I kept being like, oh, I want to settle in and watch this bit. Oh, geez. Hour and a half left. Okay. Jump ahead five seconds. Jump ahead five seconds. Good. I haven't missed any text. Jump ahead five seconds. <laughs> you know, oh, there, yeah. there actually is a setting where you can double the speed. Yeah, I should probably just do that next time. Just so you I... know, it's kind of interesting to listen to music at double speed. I could see that. So, yes, have a lot of fun with it. Would have been more fun if I had good work habits. I keep telling myself I should work on that, but then I don't, so... Oh, well. Yeah. Uh, shout out and Chili again, amazing to have you here. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, shout out to the Baked Chocobo Knights uh, Crossworld Link Shell run by our friend Brock Sam Brock Effin Sampson. Um, I've been spending a lot of time with them on streams. We've been doing a lot of bird farms, having a lot of fun. Um, shout out to Yelta and Ruby at uh, Gather Together GTFFXIV.com. Um, they're a part of that uh, link show as well, and we've been uh, hanging out with, you know, talking with them. It's been a really good time, so a um, lot of lot of good fun. And uh, yeah, like I said, you can follow me at, on Twitter at phxdn underscore k l a u s s. So that's gonna do it um, for my co-hosts Chili and for Sarah. I am Klaus Nepperger, wishing everybody a wonderful evening. Thank you again for joining us, and take care. Praise the Scorpion. Phoenix Down Radio is a production <laughs> of PhoenixDownRadio.com and Illusion Productions. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. In-game content for Phoenix Down Radio is the copyright of Square Enix. 
Over to Music with Phoenix Town Radio is provided by Guilty Gear Rocky. Check out the Metal Chocobo theme cover and many other music videos at youtube.com slash guiltygearrocky. Closing music for this episode is provided by Guitar Wanker 90. Please check out their full version of Matoya's Cave and other rock video game covers at youtube.com slash guitarwanker90. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are those of Phoenix Down Radio and its hosts and do not reflect the views of Square Enix.